The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. So more often than not, when we think about futuring, we think about jetpacks, monorails, Web3, crypto. The reality is taken at scale are individual actions. Yes, how we vote and what we consume matter, but how we treat one another actually creates the future. Now, this isn't some kind of new age hokey way of thinking about it, but how we see each other in our daily interactions, how we treat our family members, our colleagues, our partners, those kind of emotional heirlooms, remember the ones that we got from the past? Those will greatly influence everyone around us, right? As well as future generations to come. Hi there. Welcome back to the next Big Idea Daily. I'm your host, Michael Kovnat, and I'm wondering, do you have plans for this weekend? How about for next year? How about for 20 years from now? The farther you look into the future, the blurrier your vision tends to be. And this problem impacts us as individuals and as a society. We constantly feel the need to respond to breaking news, daily market results, current political crises, leaving us little brain power to properly think long-term. But we should change that, according to Ari Wallach, author of Long Path, Becoming the Great Ancestors, Our Future Needs, an Antidote for Short-Termism. Ari is a futurist who's worked with the United Nations, the U.S. Department of State, Fortune 500 companies, and multinational NGOs. He's written for outlets like the BBC and Wired. He ran Fast Company magazines, Fast Co. Futures with Ari Wallach, and he's been featured in The New Times, Yahoo Finance, CNBC, CNN, Vox, and more. Ari's also the founder and executive director of Long Path Labs, an initiative fostering long-term thinking and behavior. And he joins us now to share some of his big ideas. Our current way of thinking is flawed. What that means is right now, whenever we're faced with a challenge, we more often than not go to the short-term mode versus the long-term mode. Now, there's a reason we often think short-term. Even though we live in a time with a human shall inherit the earth and have dominion over nature narrative, we are all, every last one of us, basically very evolved apes. This means that there are biological hurdles in front of us as we pursue a shift from short-term to long-term thinking and acting, so it's a huge challenge. Understanding this will help us recognize some of our instincts, but also what we are capable of when we outgrow those ancient habits and start cultivating new thought processes. At some level, short-term is a good thing, a response our hunter-gatherer ancestors needed to survive. If you were walking along 30,000 years ago and saw a bunch of berries, you didn't just eat a couple and presume more would come eventually. You ate everything you could possibly fit into your stomach, because at an instinctual level, you understood you needed to take immediate advantage of what was in front of you. To understand how this operates in our life, think about the difference between a digital clock and an analog clock. A digital clock is just the time. Every time you look at it, it's just what it is right now. That's kind of how we're living our lives versus an analog clock with hands on it. When you look at it, you actually see the entire day, right? You see all 12 hours spinning around. You have a better sense of time, right? In some ways, this is a difference between horticultural time, where we think long-term and out, versus machine time. 
Now, the three long path pillars for helping us move from short to long-term thinking are futures, thinking with an S, transgenerational empathy, and telos, which basically means ultimate aim and goal. Moving from a short-term to a long-term perspective basically changes the way you think and view the world. You move from seeing everything as having to happen right now, right away, and basically an over-excess and emphasis on the near-term, usually at the expense of the long-term, as opposed to when you start thinking long-term, in many ways transgenerational, you actually start to see the bigger picture, and you start to see your role in that bigger picture. Now is the right time for a perspective shift. So right now, we are in what I call an intertidal. It's kind of that period between what was and what will be. On a grand historic scale, there have been a handful of periods of dramatic transition that not only mark changes in our behaviors and environments, but also that also reset the defaults of how we think and operate as human beings. These windows are like the agricultural revolution, the Middle Ages, the scientific revolution, the Enlightenment, the industrial age. Oh, and right now, we are in an intertidal. Now, something to know about intertitles, it's a, basically a place both of crazy creativity and crazy danger, right? It's based on this idea of what the tides are like in that tidal zone when you go to the edge of the ocean. It's both a place that sometimes is basically out of the water and sometimes underwater, But where it's really kind of amazing is that in between, and that's where you get those animals that basically can survive almost nowhere else. This is why long path thinking and the long path mindset are so important right now. We need a new way of thinking that helps us navigate and thrive in this intertidal. Now, most intertidals can last 20, 40, 50, 60 years. This is probably a 10 to 15 year intertidal. And for the first time in known human history, we actually know we're in one, which means we can actually do something about it. Now, how do we know when we are in an intertidal? Well, usually they come about when there's kind of massive population shifts to urban cores or climatic changes or kind of technological jumps. Check, check, check. We are in an intertidal right now. And the other way we know is when there's often a kind of loss of trust in institutions. You can check on that one, too. Now, one of the last major intertitles was the fall of the Roman Empire, which gave way basically to the Middle Ages. So you can see, sometimes intertitles go right, right? In some ways, from hunter-gatherer, the agricultural revolution. And sometimes they go wrong, like the fall of the Roman Empire. Which path will we choose, and how will we navigate it? That's basically the emphasis of what we're trying to do here in the long path mindset. Find a way to successfully navigate. So the big takeaway here is we have to take advantage of this period, this intertidal, instead of being scared by it. Many people will kind of freak out, and in some ways you'll see amplified short-termism. That's why the book was written. And in this freak out, what ends up happening, we look for easy answers, short-term fixes. We maybe look for strongmen or authoritarians instead of actually thinking about what is it the world we want it to look like when we make it to the other side of this intertidal. Our imagination and intention co-create the future. Now, there's this thing called the official future. I learned about this from Nils Gilman, who's another kind of futurist out in California. So the official future is a set of assumptions that we all have, more often than not, unspoken about what's going to happen, right? We take as givens, for instance, that prices will fluctuate due to supply and demand, that children will receive formal education, politicians will kiss baby, and whatnot. The future is intractable. It's just something that is. 
But here's the thing. There are actually external forces, not in a nefarious way, but it's just kind of overly taxing on us cognitively if we have kind of an overly open future. So these forces, culture, environment, media, religion, they kind of help us think about the future and drive a very specific narrative about the way things are going to be. Here's the thing. In an intertidal, it's just not going to work like that anymore. So one of the concepts I talk about in the book is a Voros cone. Now, you really have to see it to understand it, but imagine it kind of like an ice cream cone on its side. The official future is going from the tip at the far left all the way out kind of to the big circle in the middle. But the official future is just kind of a singular point, a singular line. What the Voros cone does is it actually shows us that the future is actually wide open. Now, it's not totally wide open. There are certain megatrends. So in the book, there are 21 megatrends that I talk about. What those really do is they help us kind of think about the future is within a cone of possibility. Now, what we really want is an examined, desired future. And in the book, I talk about how you move from kind of your desired future to an examined one. Part of that examined one, you guessed it, is actually looking at the past to kind of understand where those desires came from. Also, within that, what I talked about earlier is the third pillar, telos, ultimate aim. It's unbelievably important that you have something bigger than yourself beyond your own lifespan. In the book, I talk about it as flourishing, both for the individual, but also flourishing for homo sapiens writ large over the next several thousand years. The takeaway here is we need to take responsibility for the future because you're co-creating it in the moment through your smallest of actions, as well as how you kind of imagine what that telos is going to be. When we take small steps together, every step matters. So more often than not, when we think about futuring, we think about jetpacks, monorails, Web3, crypto. The reality is, taken at scale, our individual actions Yes, how we vote and what we consume matter, but how we treat one another actually creates the future. Now, this isn't some kind of new age hokey way of thinking about it, but how we see each other in our daily interactions, how we treat our family members, our colleagues, our partners, those kind of emotional heirlooms, remember the ones that we got from the past? Those will greatly influence everyone around us, right? As well as future generations to come. Here's a takeaway. Be intentional about the changes you make in your life. They matter not just in the present, but potentially for thousands of years to come. Thank you, Ari. Okay, I know I should go off and work on my long-term plans, and I will, but in the short term, I'm going to sit down and write my newsletter for tomorrow. That's the weekly newsletter I send out that rounds up the latest and big ideas from nonfiction. It's a great companion to this podcast and makes it easy to find and hang on to ideas or episodes you may have missed. You can sign up for it in the episode notes, or you can go to LinkedIn, search for Next Big Idea Club, and click on Newsletters. You'll find it there. Anyway, I hope to see you tomorrow when we'll wrap up the week with some big ideas from Drama Free, A Guide to Managing Unhealthy Family Relationships by Nedra Glover-Tawab. I don't know if you have any plans with your family for the weekend or how you get along with your family, but you might want to listen to this episode. I'm Michael Kovnat. See you tomorrow.